Good morning, Dauphin Way. It's so great to be in the house of the Lord, always. Honestly, when Woods called me and asked me to come preach, I was a little nervous, not because of the preaching part, but because I know y'all have had him for a little while, and we all know how Woods can be. He told me about his first Sunday preaching here, that he knocked over the podium. Well, friends, as much as I would like to say that that's not going to happen today, I cannot guarantee that because I've been learning from him and watching him for a little while. So I didn't inherit that energy, but a little bit of that clumsiness rubbed off. But really, it's been a privilege to know Woods and Bree and now baby August for the last few years. And they taught me so much and have meant so much to me and what I found is my call to ministry. So with that being said, can we have a prayer? God, we thank you for this time of fellowship and worship that you've blessed us with today. For the ability to shout your praises and speak of your glory one more time. Allow me, allow all of us to be a vessel of your words so that we may receive what it is that you have for us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have heard many times throughout history about powerful, incredible women. Women like Harriet Beecher Stowe, Harriet Tubman, Mae Jemison, Rosa Parks, Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, and so many more. These were women that created ways for others when it seemed like there would be no way. Pathways for success and greatness with no expectancy to be honored or rewarded. It can be easy to put those women in a place that's really, really hard to reach. That we could never be like them because they were extraordinary. But contrary to popular belief, those women were just like you and me. And these women have something in common with all of us. They find their roots in some of the great women leaders of the Bible. But now ask yourself, what about those women that seem to go unnoticed, unheard, unnamed? Those women like you and me that seem to be irrelevant, insignificant, and undesired. Would you believe me if I said that those women changed the lives of so many different people? Inspired nations and rose up powerful rulers, many going completely unnamed, which leads me to our verse today. Would you turn, me, turn with me in your Bibles or up on the screen to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 5? Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. 
So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. The word of God for us, the people of God. This passage continues on with the king stripping naked in rage or ripping his clothes, whichever makes this more entertaining for you. The prophet Elijah giving him some strange and humbling instructions. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? Naaman not wanting to do them, of course, but then eventually giving in after some reasoning and then Naaman being healed. And he's able to live to command another day. But what leads to his ability to be able to continue to do this? Now, some may say the great and wonderful prophet Elisha. He was able to heal Naaman without even seeing him. And I would be an idiot to deny his role in Naaman's healing. But there remains to be a character whose role may have been just as vital. A background character that remains insignificant enough to never be named. A servant that has been captured, taken away from her homeland, from her family, and forced into a life where she is at the beck and call of those whom she refers to as master and mistress. This little Israelite girl is the key to Naaman's healing. See, the faith that she grew up believing that was instilled in her by, I'm sure, her mother, grandmother, village teachers, has extended itself to strangers whom she never knew. The faith instilled in her in her early years of development that are no doubt still going on is transferred to her captors. The proclamation of this young girl leads to the pathway that contains Naaman's healing. Yet all she receives is two short verses, and she's never mentioned again. Now, she may not have been expecting much. She probably wasn't expecting anything at all. She just played her dutiful role as a servant, but not only as a servant to her master and mistress, but a servant to God. Though she was taken captive as a slave girl and forced to live under the rule of those with more power than she could ever imagine. Her focus was on the things that God could bestow, on the miracles that only God, through the work of his servants, could perform. This young Israelite girl reminds me of plenty of women in my life that act in this humble servant role. In particular, my mother. Now, I told her before this that I always use her in sermons, and I probably wasn't going to use her today, but I lied. <laughs> My mother's not an unnamed, unknown, or unrecognized person, at least not always. My mother is what you would call one of those behind-the-scenes women that makes sure things get done regardless of the circumstances or situations that she may be in, or the kind of things that the kind of pressure that people put her under. She works at an elementary school here in town, and you would think that her official position at the school 
was as an interior decorator. <laughs> I mean, she decorates everything. And usually she drags me along to help her when I can. Well, one year, she got some divine inspiration from this holy app called Pinterest. <laughs> Every year, the school does a theme series of teachings and crafts surrounding the story of the Polar Express. So after scrolling through some ideas one night, mom happened upon a decoration that would be the envy of all decorations she had ever done before. She was going to turn the whole front of the school into a train and a train station. And once she set her mind to it, she couldn't be stopped. She toiled and toiled on this project for days. I days, literal days. And I was made to be one of her minions, helping her along the way. When she finally finished, it was amazing. The whole hallway was a train and the whole front office was a train station. I think they even handed out tickets and stuff on the day of school that they came back. But the kids came back and they were just in awe of what their school had become. Students and teachers alike were amazed at how well the space had been transformed. My mom's work was never about her receiving praise or credit or reward for doing it. To all the kids at school, they had their train. They had a dream that was fulfilled because of the faithfulness and execution of a woman who refused to be named in it. I'm sure you all can think of at least one person like that, that you've known or encountered or heard about in your lives. That unnoticed neighbor that filled your bike tire with air without you ever knowing. That teacher that snuggly left 50 cents in your cubby every single Friday because you always had just enough for ice cream. That sweet old lady at church that you pass by but never really speak to that's always praying for you. These are the unnamed women in your life, in our lives. Like the young Israelite girl, they go unnoticed because sometimes we don't view them as important. Little do we know, they are the pathway to our healing. They are the ones that despite what has been done to them, they would do whatever it is they can to make you feel better, to make you look better, to make you be better. And God has ordained them to do so. It's been the plight of women for so very long to be the unknown and unrecognized sources of change. And that's not to say men don't undergo these things. But this sermon series is called Her Story. And oftentimes her story can become his story. And that's what makes history We've seen this example through the telling of the story of hidden figures, of those brilliant women who worked at NASA to help that rocket be launched into space but never received the credit for it. The telling of that story brought to light the truth about women, especially women of color, and what they dealt with in the United States, never receiving the recognition for the hard work and efforts put forth to make our heroes great. 
And so we return to the story of Naaman, to the young Israelite girl who has not received her recognition, who has not received her due, who is despite every negative circumstance, overcome her own adversities to aid the one in need, not because of what he's done for her, but in spite of what he has done. She has been given the gift of faith and a knowledge of a God who heals, who loves, and who forgives. I believe her story is one that can teach us that very same love shown to us each and every day. We are able to see through this brave young woman's story the power of God's obtrusive, unselfish love. A love that prevails through all situations. A love that does not boast in who we are and what we have done, but of who our God is and what our God can do. Her identity is not found in her ability to perform works or miracles but in her ability to share the gospel, the good news about the power of God to do those things. It is the lack of her notoriety and unexpected influence that really shows us the kind of people that God can use, even though our worldly perception says otherwise. In a world that seems so often to be focused on who we are and how we fit into this puzzle of society, she hops out of that place that was carved out for her and into one that isn't meant for her. A place destined only by God for her to be. A place of trust that a captured young maiden girl has found her way to in the house of a great army commander. The young girl's ability to speak and have influence on the mistress and master of the house surpasses what we could understand. It just doesn't make sense. How does somebody that nobody knows have this power over this powerful couple to tell them what they need to do and they do it? What did the woman see in the girl for her to be able to trust her? Maybe it was the recognition of the powerlessness in a situation that the girl had absolutely no control over that reminded the woman of her own husband's predicament. We've all been there, haven't we? Desperate for a miracle. Sometimes those miracles lay in the hands or in the mouths of those with the gift of obedience, those whom we often don't recognize, those who go unnamed. Through this young girl's obedience and her trust of God, she was able to speak the words that would lead to a healing. And that's something that we all could use a little bit more of healing. Let's think about this for a second. What would have happened if she hadn't said anything? 
if she would have held the glory inside and not spoken of the greatness of the God she served, if she hadn't have told of the wonderful prophet Elisha, who was able to bring Naaman to his healing. Well, for one, we might not have had one of the most teachable stories on faith in the Bible to preach. For two, God's kingdom would not have gained another family. But most importantly, we would not have seen the impact of her words and what they led to. And I think her words are one of the most valuable things that we can garner from her story. Not necessarily because of what they were, but because of what they meant. Her words, as simple as they were, spoke truth, wisdom, and hope in a time when for her, that may have seemed bleak. And for those she served, it most definitely did. Think of Naaman's leprosy as being, as putting him in a position socially where he was the lowest on the totem pole. And what makes it even worse is that he fell there. He didn't start there, he ended up there. And you and I both know how hard a fall from grace like that can be. But her courage to speak to Naaman's wife in their time of utter despair is what leads him away from that sunken place. I think something that's been lost a little on us sometimes is the courage to speak up in times of fear. Fear of what is next to come, fear of offending someone, fear of not thinking your voice is relevant enough to be heard. Fear of being torn down for speaking the unpopular truth. Fear of disappointing a fellow brother or a sister. Well, friends, I wanna tell y'all about this guy I know who once told me, fear not, for I am with you. These past few months have been a torrent of headline upon headline upon headline about some instance of injustice, usually, not always, but usually against a person of color. Citizens having the police called on them for things as simple as sleeping in a common area of their own residence, being shot and killed with a cell phone in hand being beaten while restrained in handcuffs, being berated for having the audacity to speak Spanish in front, in front of someone who did not understand it. I can list so many more instances, and I'm sure you can too, not just worldwide, but even in this community. And in the last few weeks, each new situation that I hear of tears a little part inside of me. And not just because it can seem sometimes that these things are only happening to people that look like me, but because these are my brothers and sisters, are our brothers and sisters 
and I haven't said anything. Me and a couple of my friends were talking the other day about some of the headlines that I mentioned earlier. And that led to us sharing stories about our own encounters with some racially tense undertones. Through this conversation, we began to recognize the extent of intolerance and prejudice some of our own peers had against those of us with deeper complexion. But the thing that bothered us most was our inability, inability and our unwillingness to call out the racism, to speak up for the ideals of Christ that embody love, forgiveness, and oneness. Starting that day, we vowed never to stay silent while someone insinuated hateful and harmful thinking. And I'm keeping that vow by speaking with you all. There are many lessons that we can grab from our scripture. But one of the greatest things the young Israelite girl has shown me is that despite my irrelevance, despite my often overlooked importance in society as a young black female, when I have the courage to speak up on behalf of God's word and God's way, there can be a healing on the other side of it. I want to encourage you today that no matter how small you think your voice may be, no matter how unimportant you may feel, despite your thoughts that tell you that you may be ignored or shunned by your friends and your peers, you are called to speak up. We are called to speak up, to speak out, and to reach out for those that are hurting. We are challenged by the gospel to call out racism, unfair discrimination, unjust acts, and shameful practices. Because under Christ, we are all one body. And when one hurts, we all hurt. The young girl did not allow the obvious differences between her mistress and her master and she become, come between her ability to see them as human, to see them as children of God. She is the unnamed in her story, the unnamed in her society, the unnamed young girl who forever changed the path of a mighty man of valor. Through her example, we can see more clearly the intentions of our Savior. Our Savior who was not scared to speak up and speak out for us. To call out the injustice of his own time. And ultimately, to lay his life down so that we could be forgiven for such things. We must make ourselves irrelevant, forget our own names, and live for the one name that matters the most, the powerful and holy name of Jesus that melts away all divisions 
and speaks only truth. As we come together at the table of grace today, we remember his name while forgetting our own. For at this table, we are all Theophilus, lovers of God. Because of this table, we are forgiven. And through this table, we are commissioned to go out, to speak up, and to work for justice for the unnamed in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the gift that you have given us to speak. Lord, we know that when we are scared, you are with us anyway. We thank you for the testimony of the young girl who was captured and put in a place, a foreign place, where she was not meant to thrive. But God, she overlooked that and was able to see that she could be the source of someone else's healing. God, we pray that all the words we speak out of our mouths may bring healing, never harm to anyone else. Lord, we thank you for your commission and for your death that brings us forgiveness. In your name we pray.